stone. And stone is an attempt to outlast time because you can, in a human lifespan, you can actually see wood degrade. But stone seems to outlive human lifespans. And uh, that's what building things in stone are. And that's why Nelson's Column in London and the Washington Monument in DC are the last stage in the development that starts with the Shigur Idol and in between gives us totem poles in the Pacific Northwest. They're all the same tradition, except that the stone ones are intended to last forever. The wooden ones are expected to last a long time. Uh, so the medium is the message. An organic, degradable thing like wood is very different from building in stone. That's something you find out in Cormac McCarthy's uh, novel uh, from the judge. Uh, what's the name of the novel? Uh, Blood Meridian. It's probably the greatest novel of our time in English. It's terrifying. Uh, but the idea of an Axis Mundi going back to at least the Shigur idol um, means that everyone is trying to stake out their turf and they all think that every, at the center of everything is where they happen to be right? which is why the Chinese think they're in the Middle Kingdom the Mediterranean according to the Romans is the sea at the center of the earth that's what makes it Mediterranean and uh, it seems like everybody else does too The uh, there were temples in Mesopotamia that were also viewed as being the center of the world, the Axis Mundi. So, uh, now because, I, because I'm a New Yorker, I think the Axis Mundi is in Manhattan. <laughs> but that's just me. Maybe it's in Cleopatra's Needle. They borrowed a, a, a real obelisk from Egypt to put it in Central Park. And so that might be it. But the idea is that Wherever you are, that's where you're likely to think that the center of things is. Uh, so time has a shape, in other words. The shape of time is the shape of human life. That's why, although we can be told about things like infinite space or infinite time, um, as an experience, no one can have that and explain it to anybody else. Uh, all of our time is finite and all of our space is finite as we experience it. I mean, you have to look way out there to see infinite space. <laughs> Where is space? You want to talk about Parmenides? <laughs> I think that we've had enough Parmenides. <laughs> I think you're probably right. You see, you're, you're becoming dead on the nerd side if you understand pre-Socratic physics jokes. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you have to uh, go back and uh, pick sides between Heraclitus and Parmenides and insist that the world is either change or being. And uh, then we can all go get crazy together and go back and read the Greeks. <laughs> um, the second time around, they're much more fun because you know what to expect, you know what's coming here, you know, look at this joker. And then you get kind of used to them and their characteristic extravagances make some fun to teach. Hmm. 
I really like teaching because it allows me not to think about being myself. I always tell new teachers the opposite, though, because the opposite is true, too. What you're doing when you teach is working at being yourself, only more so. Also, Subaru's Law, this is something you will take up if you ever teach like your sister does. Um, if you need notes, you're not prepared. The teaching is not on your goddamn paper, it's in your head. You are the art form. And like Yeats says, O shadow, time to music, O brightening lads, how can we tell the dancer from the dance? There's no difference between the dancer and the dance, or the teacher and the teach and the talk. Teaching is an activity, it's not uh, a literary event. Otherwise, you could just send people an email and be done with that shit. And believe me, I've been tempted. But no. Got to go out there like Socrates and just be the living voice and don't write shit down. Philosophy isn't something you find in a book. It's a way of life. Ben Franklin said in his autobiography, imitate Jesus and Socrates. You won't go wrong with that. Even though dickheads will laugh at you. Imitating Jesus and Socrates will give you a serene disinterest and almost Buddhist indifference to what such people think and the things that drive them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Or my favorite line in scripture, John 8, 32. The truth shall set you free. Can you see how German philosophy is a gloss on that line of scripture? Because for Kant, freedom and rationality are the same thing. So to be free is to be rational, is to know the truth. But it's only free in the sense of autonomy, not liberty, which is a lawless, contingent freedom like that of a savage. I'm talking, I've been talking, not talking, but communicating recently with my, with my uh, godmother, She's 80 years old and really sick, and she's batshit crazy, you know. She's stuck in her house, and she has five daughters, and I don't think she's on great terms with them, but... So I think she's sick and lonely, so I've been telling her that I would talk to her, or not talk to her, but discuss with her a bit of scripture every day. She's very devout. So today I was going to start with, uh, the truth shall set you free. We want all the great shit. No, there's some things that. Yeah, it's a shame that we can't that we can't get that in audio. What? <laughs> if I described it, it wouldn't work. Why did the chicken cross the road? <laughs> you know. 